Hey, thanks for everything. For putting up with me when I get cranky. I know I'm such a pain. And yeah, thanks for losing everything with me. Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode 11 of Misaligned. I'm here today with both Caitlin and Ashley. Finally! <laughs> yes, all three of us, once again, for another episode in a row. We hope you enjoyed the interview with Sarah Scoggins, which was our last little bonus episode for you guys. I hope to continue doing those. And we're going to just go ahead and jump right into news today since, you know, this Friday is Black Friday. But due to that and Thanksgiving, you won't be hearing this until Saturday anyway. (laughs) So today should hopefully be Saturday when you listen to this or whatever day you wish to listen to it. So I'm going to go ahead and start off with uh, the news about Jeff Rosenstock being robbed in San Francisco, not this Monday night, but the previous Monday. They are on tour with Modern Baseball, and they were traveling up there, you know, as it happens, leave the van for a few minutes, go grab some food or something, and you come back and all of your stuff is gone which is very disappointing every time this happens. And this happens so often to bands, especially in big cities like San Francisco. What they did is they have a GoFundMe campaign going on right now. And we will link to that in the show notes for you guys to check out. But in six days, they had already raised almost $20,000. So That's impressive. Yes, it is. They've pretty much... People love them. Yeah, I think they lost, lost, what, like $18,000 worth of gear? Plus, like, all their clothes. Yeah, plus. Like, that's what I think is so horrible. Really yes. Like, yeah. It's like, uh, yeah, so that's we'll just uh, finish touring and the clothes we're in and yeah. smell the rest of the time. I know. More Which so than bands already do. Anyway? <laughs> They're stinky-ass tour clothes. Like, yeah. nobody wants those. I've never understood stealing people's clothes. It's like. Me neither. What are you I going to do I can imagine that whoever broke into the van just to, instead of taking, like, going through someone's bag and, like, picking out just grabbed things, it just yeah. grabs the bag and assumes that there is like important stuff in it which is so upsetting and i sure. know that yeah, I know. a lot of uh touring friends of mine are like i have you know i have my my bag with clothes and shampoo and stuff that's in the van but my backpack has you know my my wallet my, laptop, my and, yeah. passport laptop all of like my really irreplaceable valuable stuff stays with me yep. all the time right. for seven doesn't leave my sight and it's just oh my heart breaks every time i, I hear this and it's so often that's what makes it even worse. But I think, you know, Jeff Rosenstock is very much a big part of the scene and has been around for a long time and has People really made a difference. Him. Yeah, because yeah. he's a he's a great guy and he's worked hard and he's very much, you know, DIY and has always kind of just worked as hard as he fucking could. So I think it's been really cool to see that support for him. Yeah, definitely. So, well, I guess to continue the not-so-great news for bands, um, earlier, I guess last week, um, The Ghost Inside was in a really horrible bus crash um, in Texas, so uh, outside of El Paso. They were on their way to New Mexico, I believe, and I actually I started seeing this posted um, like on Facebook by our local news stations here in Austin, and I was like, that's oh, super wow. weird. Like, Why would they be posting this? And it turns out that the driver of the semi-truck that they were in the accident with was from the Austin area. 
Um, so he, he was killed. So that was, you know, kind of big in the news that he had died kind of thing, I guess, just because it was kind of a horrific accident. And I know the driver of the ghost inside bus, uh, was killed also. And that most of the members, you know, had to go to the hospital. There were several who were in critical condition and they, you know, they posted a statement recently saying that everyone is improving, but they're not going to, um, release like any specific details yet. Um, just because of privacy and family and that kind of stuff. So it sounded like it was pretty bad, but it sounds like most of the band and crew are going to pull through, obviously, minus the the bus driver, which is super sad because everyone knows, you know, how much of an asset a good bus driver is for bands. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But uh, they, you know, they started a GoFundMe also. Well, they, I don't know if it was them or somebody else, um, but a lot of bands have been rallying behind that and supporting them. Um, Bring Me the Horizon donated 10K, um, which is really cool since they're kind of, you know, part of that same scene. Um, it's really cool to see bands supporting each other like that. And, and Bring Me the Horizon is, I guess I would say they're still a mid-level band, although I don't, I don't know. But that's a, that's a lot of money. 10K is not like something to just like roll your eyes at, especially right. from a touring band. Yeah, they donated 10000 A lot of other bands donated money, too. I'm just looking at their donation list right now. Parkway Drive sent $5,000. Jeffree Star sent wow. $5,000. Uh, the shit. One Year sent 1500 Architects sent 1000 uh, A lot of companies, too. Live Nation, uh, New Zealand sent $1,000. Wow. First Fleet Concerts sent 2500 Yeah, like, people are not just, like, r- like, supporting, but, like, really, like, putting a lot in there and I like the fact that it's a lot of bands and concert organizations that are donating the money because like real friends I don't think they they're the kind of band to you know give out a thousand dollars just because (laughs) and like even just looking at the picture of this crash like my heart is like in a thousand pieces not to I can imagine bills that they're gonna have I know know, right and that it was a big tour bus like that was not a small tour bus it wasn't like it was a van it was a bus like uh, I just can't imagine, and especially depending on how serious the injuries are, I think those that that need is just going to keep going up, especially mm-hmm. if yeah, any the... of them need long term care or anything like that. And that's one of those bands. Like I'm not, you know, I like their music, but it's not really part of the scene that I listen to. And they're just they've always been super nice. I did some photography uh, stuff for them a couple years back, and just were nice dudes. Uh, so yeah, it's super heartbreaking. I mean, yeah, it always were... is, but I feel like this is a this is a pretty big crash i mean obviously uh but you know fender benders and shit happen all the time to bands but i don't know it's too bad and i feel you know with the weather that's been happening like that we're just only going to hear more about that i don't know i was worried about you know um pup and jeff rosenstock and all those guys modern baseball that tour uh you know their show got canceled um in colorado because the roads were so bad kind of thing so that's always scary to have you know friends bros out on the road and having to drive and that kind of stuff and that bus crash just kind of reminded me and I'm sure other people of how dangerous it really can be yeah it's nice to see the scene kind of pull together and help them out though considering like how much negativity has been surrounding a lot of the music scene and everything lately yeah even though something bad had to happen for this to result it's it's still really nice to see that these bands do want to help each other out. It's not like they're going out there and competing for everyone's money every single night. Like, no, we want to do this tour because it'll make us more money, blah, blah, blah. It's not necessarily always all about that, considering you have bands giving so much money just to help another band out. And they're yeah. on the, they weren't traveling with any other acts, right? It was like they're on the locals only tour. 
which yeah. is something they created themselves, yeah. which is just having locals only open yeah. for them, which I think is so great. And it's just, uh, I just, I'm looking at the picture right now because I have their GoFundMe page up and it's just like really upsetting. The only thing that really bums me out is I've been talking to, you know, other people about this, like, oh my God, did you hear about the ghost inside and all that stuff? And I had a couple people being like, I thought those, the, the article headlines, like a lot of them said the ghost inside involved in a uh, fatal crash. And so many people were like, oh, that was so misleading. Like the band members didn't die. I'm like, well, their bus driver did. The person yeah, driving so the other truck drivers did. did. Yeah. You know, pe- there were indeed fatalities. And the fact yeah, that the, the band that members aren't bigger. the only people who exist yeah. in this. Yeah. I remember seeing a post. I think from the merch dude who is awesome and I love following him on Twitter and Tumblr. I'll probably end up linking him in my, my recommendations, even though it's not recommendations part yet. Um, he tweeted like, Oh, whenever you see accidents happen or, you know, van bus crashes, everyone's like, is the band okay? You know, is the bassist okay? And it's like, there's more people involved than just the band. And obviously you want everyone to be safe, but it's easy to lose sight of how many people are actually involved in a production like this. You know, a tour bus isn't something that four people can just run. It's a it's a production in itself. Right. It's very true. So do we want to go ahead and get into our super happy holiday fun discussion? <laughs> yeah, why don't yeah, we go ahead well, and move on to that? Do you want We're to go so ahead cheery and... today yeah, on this line. Yeah, all the great news. Yeah. So obviously, you know, we, we thought it would be important to discuss what happened in Paris, um, and specifically because of what happened at Le Batacla, because... It, I think it hit a lot closer to home for a lot of people. Um, and if you have been following the news at all, you know, Paris was attacked um, at the Charlie Hebdo offices, which was a satirical cartoon uh, magazine kind of thing in January. Um, and then this attack that happened, you know, only 10 months later seems just extra tragic. And, you know, people, I think... Usually when attacks like this happen, people feel very distant from it because it is obviously a foreign country. Um, It's not really a threat that we see as imminent here in the United States. And but I think seeing that it can happen at a concert venue makes it feel like it could happen anywhere, that it could be in any city in the world. And while that is true, in reality, um, I'm just going to give a little bit of background information about kind of why these attacks are happening in Paris. France in general has one of the highest Muslim populations in Europe. um, And Paris, especially being a big city, has that influence. But one of the things that's kind of unique about France is that when they collect, I guess, kind of their version of the census, um, and when people, you know, are, you know, questioned by police or um, checked into the hospital or whatever, anything kind of legally related, um, you don't discuss race or religion. Um, so having a um, really high population of Muslims in a country that doesn't really recognize cultural individuality, I guess, um, has kind of created this volatile environment. Um, so I think part of what um, ISIS is seeing in France and in Paris is that, you know, their people and their religion are being kind of pushed aside, people are being marginalized, um, and I think that's kind of part of why we're seeing this happening in Paris again and again. Um, but I think still, being at a music venue, that it's maybe not that it could happen anywhere, but yeah. I think a lot of people are under, like, realizing that, you know, this is something, I don't you feel closer to the people, because it could be you, it could be your friends, it could right. be anyone. Yeah, and I and looked I, into... I looked into the venue a little bit and it's mm-hmm. been around since 
like 1865. It's amazing. So it's probably a pretty iconic place for people in France because I'm sure it started out as a theater for plays and that sort of stuff, and it's slowly kind of involved evolved into a mm. concert theater. Yeah, and, and I think that's the case for a lot of those older venues in Europe, too. Yeah, and, you know, when there's terrorist attacks, they usually try to attack places that have a lot of meaning to the countries or states or whatever. I mean, we clearly saw that with 9-11, the World Trade Centers, like the two biggest buildings in New York. And then this venue has been such a big part of Paris's history. So it's like you can't really tell if they meant to hit this venue on purpose or if they were just like, this has been around a long time. Let's just go there. You know, yeah, it's like no one ever really knows what terrorists are thinking. And as far as security goes at shows, which we've mentioned in previous episodes, it's not like security people at venues are armed and could have possibly done anything. The only mm-hmm. solution you could have short term anyway is to have more of a police presence there outside the venue, which mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys heard, but they do plan on reopening soon. Yeah. So I feel like for the short term until they've the governments figure out this situation and how they want to handle it, that's their best option, but even that you can't guarantee that'll yeah, stop. Yeah, you can't anything. you can't stop people with AK47s, right. you know, it's not it's not going to happen. Right. When well, I love hearing uh, that the place is going to reopen. That's yeah. like Yeah. I it's, it, you know, it's it's like a sense of community to be at a concert when you're surrounded by all these people. That's something, you know, I don't need to get too in depth with because I know you guys understand. I'm sure most of everyone who's listening understands that. And it's it it hits so close to home. Like to say that is such an understatement. Like, you know, once once I get in a venue, I'm kind of like, okay, there's the bathroom, there's the exit, and there's a stage. And yeah. then I'm, now I'm at home. <laughs> I'm at home. I'm comfortable. I'm where I belong. I'm where I want to be. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And like, I think I would... part of the whole reopening, I think, is like very I guess France has always been very resilient. So it's right. kind of not not that surprising that, you know, maybe in a different country, especially here in the United States, like I can see, you know, the venue never reopening or it being a year or something like that and seeing France yeah. be like, you know what, we're going to keep going on with our lives, which I've heard a lot of interviews. I've read a lot of um, articles at this point um, from, you know, bystanders or vic- well, victims who have survived and all that kind of stuff who, you know, they they said, you know, after the Charlie Hebdo attacks, when there were three different attacks across the city on the same day, not at the scale of these, but, you know, they, you know, life goes back to normal. Life goes on kind of thing. And they said, you know, it's going to happen again. This was right. worse, but life goes on. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the case with any any city for the most part and any group of people. And I mean, the same thing happened here on 9-11. Like, you know, life went on in New York City. It took time. Things were closed down. Um, you know, the, that scale was massive, you know, compared to what was happening in Paris, but life goes on. Um, and I think having the venue reopen so quickly is just kind of another step towards that. And I think that's really important for the city and I guess even for the music scene, um, just kind of having it open would be kind of, I guess, a symbol, a symbol for Mm -hmm. everybody to say like, it'll be okay. Right. Um, This doesn't change your Friday night of going to a concert. Yeah, and I mean, 
this wasn't the only attack that day, but this right. is definitely the one that resonated with the entire music scene globally, yeah. pretty much, because we saw mm-hmm. alternative press writing articles about it, um, a bunch of other U.S. publications and even ones overseas and like the U.K. and everything. And a yeah. lot of people are coming together to like raise money. And I just want to mention that our last night and AP partnered together for a, a t-shirt in support of Paris. And what they did was they printed up these shirts and they had that little Eiffel Tower Paris logo that we've been seeing around everywhere. People have been making it their profile pictures and everything. And I just wanted to see what you guys thought about the fact that our last night and AP kind of just put their logos on the front of the shirt, like right underneath the Paris logo, because personally, I think they should have done like what no sleep does with their t-shirts, which is they take their logo and put it on the back, like right underneath the collar. So it's like kind of most companies do yeah. with, like, you know, sponsorship shirts. Yeah. I feel like yeah. It, it looks a little more, our last night in AP centric than it does to be Paris centric. Yeah, just um, and I I don't even know who our last night is. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and having that logos on the front, I mean, it's aesthetically ugly. Yeah, like, it doesn't the best look part good. is like and, you know, come on, guys. But yeah, behind, like right on the stomach too, which is such an yeah, ugly it's weird. Place for a, super yeah. weird. As soon as you like sit and down, agree, you can't see. It's like uncomfortable. <laughs> you know, if they want credit and they want to feel good about doing this, that's great. Put it on the back. Right. Um, and even, I don't even know how I feel about the words. Like we need to break the cycle of hate. Like, I'm sorry, but unless you are actually, you know what, like how ISIS functions and like you can't, not, you can't do anything about yeah, this. I like we should give just... money. Right. I think and they help should've... people who have been hurt, but that's yeah. it. Like, you can't do anything about ISIS. I'm sorry. I wonder I think what they should have like, just left it this. as the. I think they should have just left it as the logo, and like yeah. the the red, white, and blue, and then just left it at that. They didn't need to put any words in it or anything. I agree. Yep. But I, agree. I do like the idea. At least they did do something to help yep. support because oh, sure. all of the proceeds oh, went yeah. straight to Paris. Well, I mean, because I thought however I did they the got same there. Thing. <laughs> Yeah, I know, right? I did the same thing when um, the Haiti earthquake happened. Blink-182 did a shirt like that. It wasn't, you know, I had the Blink-182 rabbit, like, holding a Haitian flag kind of thing. And I, right. I think that's a great a way that I that you can connect maybe younger people with an event like that. Um, and even if they're, you know, they're buying it because they like the shirt kind of thing, you're still indirectly kind of educating them and you know, making them be more of an active, I guess, global citizen kind of thing and donating to that. And I'm glad that, you know, they did choose that the money is going to the French Red Cross um, because donating directly to them means that that money goes to the people in Paris. Whereas if you donated to the International Red Cross, that money would just go into the International Fund and it wouldn't be directly allocated. So I am glad that they did choose the French Red Cross specifically. Yeah, that was I will give them that. But it's kind of questionable motives especially with the logo i mean as much as i don't like it design wise like i i can't like be mad that they so quickly got this thing together and got it up and for sale and got all the donations set up it was only for uh 72 hours so i believe the sale stopped this morning if i'm wrong yeah, someone right. correct me um today is sunday as we record in case anyone is curious <laughs> yes um, but I, I I like it. I get, it's one of those things like Deanna and I were talking about last episode, like done right or do over. Do I think this was done right? Yes. 
Do I, I think, think they meant well, but it could have been executed a little better if they had maybe taken like an extra day to think it through, you yeah. know? Yeah, because it's like, done right, done right, but also do it over. Yeah, because <laughs> I, I also think oh. it's strange that they only did it for 72 hours because it's not like Paris is going to stop accepting money. Needing the money, Like yeah. after three days, because, <laughs> you know, the yeah. venue no, still has to, to rebuild it, like, parts good. and like fix a bunch of things and... I'm sure a lot of people have medical bills that need to be paid for those who did survive. Yeah. And it's, it was insanity over there. So it's like, I feel like they could have done, you know, maybe at least a week or something. Yeah. Well, I feel like and that, that tends like to be a problem. Sales, it's like, well, having just yeah. from like completely like a business aspect, like a sales aspect, having something for a sale, like for such a short amount of time is obviously one of the best ways to get people to buy it. Like, you know, on instinct, like, Oh, like, I might buy this shirt, I might not. Or, I see this a lot with vinyl. If a vinyl is, like, on yeah. sale, and it's like, oh, this is a limited edition variant, or this is only on sale, like, um, at the tour dates, like, that kind of makes it more exclusive and more special. And especially because, not again, like, Paris is going to be reeling from this for a long time, but this is, like, a really, really, really hot issue, like, within that 72 hours. Again, not that it's right. going to die out, but, like, it was kind of, like, at the crux of it. Which almost yeah. makes it seem like a total cash grab, but that makes me feel like I'm being mean because they're clearly trying to do something nice. I don't know. Right, and they're not keeping any of the money themselves. They're sending nope. it all to the Red Cross, as you guys mentioned. And so, I think that one problem with, you know, any attack or any disaster that happens is that, you know, people donate money and then that's kind of it. Like, um, we, we in Austin even just, we've had a lot of floods lately and... We had a big flood over Memorial Day weekend, and then we had another big flood um, in October at Halloween. And so we had this big flood. People collected all this money, and then the second flood happened, and then they have, like, no money. It's like people donate once, and then they do kind of forget that there is this continued need for help. And obviously, I mean, we can only do so much. We don't, you know, know exactly how the Red Cross is doling up this money. It's probably not going directly to hospital bills, things like that. Right. It might be. Uh, but we don't know, and it's it's really hard unless you're there to really know what your impact is. You know, we are not there to donate blood. We're not right. there to go and, you know, visit people in the hospital and that kind of thing. So, it, I mean, it is hard, and I think part of it is people do feel helpless. Like, there's not a lot that we can do. But I think, you know, I even the thought of feeling helpless or the fact that people are feeling helpless, I think, does say a lot about how much more of an impact that this has had. Um, and, you know, like we said, there were a lot of different attacks throughout the world that day that were, you know, taken on or planned out by ISIS and then another terrorist group, Boko Haram, who's very um, active in Africa. Um, so it's, I don't know, it's unfortunate that we, you know, so many of these attacks and events do go unreported in the local mainstream medias, I guess. Right. Um, but I, I think that maybe this is a step forward at least um, to having people feel more connected to all of these things that are happening and that may as well, you know, they may, it may become an issue here. We don't know that. Um, you know, and obviously that's a whole other conversation about the Islamophobia that's happening and the immigrant, you know, debate that's going on. That's, you know, that's an all a horrible, sad thing that we're seeing happen right now in the United States. But I think this is a kind of a first step toward feeling more connected. I mean, and, I think as soon as I saw, you know, that it happened in that specific venue, um, and then I immediately, you know, went back in time to my travels when I was traveling abroad. I saw metric 
um, at a venue in London, Shepherd's Bush Empire, which is pretty much identical to Le Bataclan. Um, you know, same size, same kind of design. I don't think it's as old. Um, but it was kind of, you know, immediately when I started seeing the pictures come out and I looked at the venue online, it was like, oh, shit. Like, I have been there, more or less. You know, that's what it felt like. Right. Um, so I'm hoping that I, I, I'm sure a lot of people had the same kind of feeling that it was like all of a sudden, like, that's very real. Um, you can almost, you know, picture it, I, you know, and I, I don't know if I was just too connected in media that night or was really reading into it. I was on Twitter. I was listening to NPR. I was listening to BBC, which is pretty much all I do anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't know, like I kept imagining it, you know, happening to me kind of thing. And I was going to a show that night and that just made it seem so much worse. And I don't know. I just, I hope that we do see maybe people taking this as a sign that we do need to be more connected and we do need to be more aware of what's going on and that, you know, the people who are these victims are, they're just like us. Right. Um, and obviously Paris is a more westernized, western country as opposed to, you know, the attack that happened at a Radisson Hotel in Mali three days ago, um, where, you know, a hundred something people were killed and hostages were taken. And, you know, that is less familiar, a country like Mali. But for Paris, it's a country and a city a lot of people have visited. It seems more real, I think. Yeah. So do we want to go ahead and move into recommendations for tonight? Yeah, we'll leave you guys on that beautiful note. <laughs> happy, happy holidays. Happier things. <laughs> but know. yes, recommendations. <laughs> all right, Ashley, go ahead and start us off. Um, all right. Well, Jinwar put out their new EP. It's called Peace of the Moon. It's on Spotify. Go check it out. Um, someone posted to my wall a clip of all of Gerard Way's best moments from life on the murder scene and... I mean, in case no one's ever listened to this podcast before, I'm literally obsessed with My Chemical Romance. So um, I highly recommend watching their documentary, Life on the Murder Scene. Or if you just really feel like reliving your emo-est moments. Like, that's I, also... I need to say something about My Chemical Romance before you continue on your recommendations. <laughs> um, so Uh-oh. I recently discovered, I think I've mentioned this, that I have a handful of students who are really into MCR. And several days ago, they were singing, as they always are, um, MCR lyrics. And, you know, they were they were like talking amongst themselves. They were like, um, I cannot believe that MCR like just got this popular. And I was like, whoa, honey. I was like, I'm going to have to stop you. But we're going to have to have a conversation. And let's, I decided. Let's rewind. I, yes. I was like, look. And I told them about, you know, our emo pop punk night in Austin, which I'm like, I don't know if I should have shared that with eighth graders, but I did. Um, and then I also let them know that on. my. I know, right? And they were like, oh, life goals. And I was like, oh, my God. Uh, but then I also told them about my roommate's MCR tattoo. And they almost started crying, like <laughs> literal real tears. And I oh wish I had filmed it <laughs> so that I could link it and everybody could see how ridiculous eighth graders are when it comes to my chemical romance still. So just nothing has changed. They're still the same. Children are the same, and they love the MCR, and I just had to share that because it was so adorable and hilarious. So just for those of you who are lamenting the downfall of the music scene, it's okay. It will be okay. It's all in the hands of our awkward eighth graders. (laughs) It is. It is. It always has been. Anyway, I'll let you continue. gives me life right now. (laughs) It was awesome. It it genuinely makes me so happy. Their direct quote was, I feel like weeping. 
when they saw the tattoo. They like fell on the ground. So anyway, just like I just want to like show up in your classroom one day, like blaring like teenagers, like really loud, and just walk in they, and be like, they would not even know what's happening. Walk in with like a really a... old boombox. Oh yeah. my god! Yeah. Only wearing like, uh, like anyway. my. Like, I'll, I'll let you continue your recommendations. Okay, so anyway, MCR, <laughs> everything, MCR all day, every day. I finally caved in and bought uh, Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge on vinyl because I was, like, really bummed about not getting the Hot Topic variant, but I was like, I don't want the Black variant, <laughs> but I'm like, I really don't fucking care. This is an amazing record, so I got it. I'm like, yes. Um, I was absolutely hashtag blessed to go see Good Charlotte at their reunion I hate, show. I hate you so much. I, I went... Um, the, the tickets went on sale, whatever day it was, like, last week or whatever. They went on sale at 10 a.m., and I was at work, and at, like, 10.15, it just hit me. I was like, fuck! Like, I forgot to set an alarm, which I normally do. I'm normally really good about it, but I just lost track, so I didn't get tickets originally. And then my friend, super last minute, I don't know how this happened, but by some grace of God, I was the first person to respond on her Facebook status when she was selling a ticket. And I was like, me, yes, hi, hello, me, so... <laughs> I got to go see the amazing reunion show. Um, Lionel Richie was there with Nicole Richie, who's married to oh Benji. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that was insane. Apparently, Mikey Way was also in the audience, according to the AP article I read. So my whole life just stopped for that minute. I, I came straight from work. I was wearing, like, sandals and, like, a nice top. And, like, <laughs> like, so, okay, I'm a mom. I'm here for the show. <laughs> I basically looked like, you know, every office lady. And... It was so fucking awesome. My whole body hurt, and I was so sore the next day. And I'm like, it was worth it. Everything was worth it. Oh, um, I love shows so, like that. Yeah. Oh my god, I almost cried like twice during that show. I have no shame oh. in that. So, two recommendations regards to that are Good Charlotte's uh, "The Young and the Hopeless," which is the album that like first got me into them, and it's just it's so fucking good. Go listen to it. And also, um, the band Waterparks, who opened for them, they're from. Houston, I think they're from Texas. What? I totally really? forget what they are. And huh. uh, they, I wrote out them for Property of Zach March 2014. And as soon as I saw them on the flyer for that Good Charlotte show, I was like, Water Parks? I was like, they're basically like Forever the Sickest Kids in 2015. You know, very like sweet neon, like synth pop. And their singer, Austin, like I was. I was like, okay, like expecting like a, a good performance. Like I was, I wasn't, I didn't think they were gonna be bad. But he has the pipes. Like he can do riffs like crazy. I was really impressed. So water parks. Their video for Crave is great because it's basically all about dogs. So if you like dogs <laughs> and you like fun pop neon music, water parks. And that's about it. All right, I'll toss it off to Caitlin. Well, at first I had no recommendations <laughs> because let me just share a little thing about teaching for those of you non-teachers out there. We, around this time of the year, um, I don't know if it's all teachers that have this saying, but we do, um, in the last few schools I've worked in, we have something called the fall wall. And basically, you hit the fall wall really hard at some point in November um, which basically means that you cry like twice um, in a day. Um, you deal with angry parents and the, all the children are going crazy. It's like something that happens before the holidays and it's the fall wall. So I'm I've been hitting. Week. Yeah, except it's worse because you're parents. a teacher. 
Yeah. And the parents. It's the parents. So I hit the fall wall hard about seven times over the past two weeks. Um, so my recommendation is going to be the Three Buck Chuck, Charles Shaw Merlot. Um, highly recommended from Trader Joe's. I it love you through so everything. much now. <laughs> that is my only recommendation. Um, besides, like, send me cat pictures uh, for the next three weeks as I continue to deal with children um, on Twitter at don't mess with ATX. Please send me all the cat pictures um, so that I can make it to Christmas. Thank you. Deanna, what are your recommendations? Fantastic. I only have two recommendations. One is not Merlot. (laughs) My my first one is The Martian by Andy Weir, which is the book that inspired the Martian movie that just came out recently. I'm sometimes one of those people who wants to read the book before they watch the movie. And because I didn't feel like going to see the movie by myself, I just ended up reading the book first anyway. (laughs) So I've yet to see the movie, but the book was excellent. And I've heard there are a few things that are different between the two, but that both are still really good. So if you like reading, definitely recommend this. And the book is like 10 times nerdier. Yes. Because Andy Weir tried to get the science like correct. He basically kind of crowdsourced the book as far as editing goes. So before the book was even published, he was like putting chapters up on his website or a website in general. And scientists and like people of the Internet were helping him like fix mistakes as far as the science goes in his book and like Mars and everything. So I thought that was really cool. And then, of course, the Adele album was released. It is (laughs) wonderful. Everyone needs it. But it's not streaming, right? No, it is not okay. streaming. You have to I physically purchase it? Yeah. Or digitally I, purchase it, I guess. Yeah, okay. Yes, you can do either of those. I bought it on vinyl because Ooh. why not? Because it was like 18 bucks on Amazon while well, I was like, so I'll get vinyl and digital for 18 bucks. Can't really say oh, no to yeah. that. <laughs> I know a lot of people who did the same. A lot of yeah. people were like, oh, Adele's up for pre-order on vinyl? Click. Like, Literally the first no day question. I found out about it. Modern Vinyl are lovely, <laughs> lovely people who host this site or this podcast their site hosts the podcast i cannot do the words tonight so i think (laughs) i think on that (laughs) i should just say adele everything go do it and we will go ahead and wrap up this episode so we thank you for taking time out of your holiday week to listen we hope you had a great thanksgiving since as i mentioned before you will be hearing this after thanksgiving so hopefully you ate some turkey. If you don't and eat turkey, nice eat some fat. mashed potatoes, some pumpkin pie, all the good things. That's what I'll be doing. <laughs> Hell yeah. So thank you guys for listening and enjoy the rest of your day. Peace.